1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster To and Phantom podcast. It is the DTF podcast. It is Monday, February 27th, 12.07 in the PM right after lunch. You can see To shoveling Swedish meatballs into his face if you are watching this on YouTube right now. Uh, guys, we just had what might be the greatest weekend of basketball and not just College basketball, a basketball period that I've seen in a long time. I know it's still technically February, but March is here, baby. March is here. We had Iowa and Michigan State. Iowa came down from 13 points down with a uh, minute 34 left to win a game, second biggest comeback in the history of college basketball in the final minute. Arizona State hits a 50 footer at the buzzer to beat Arizona in the McHale Center. Florida State comes from 25 down to beat Miami at the buzzer. TCU and Texas Tech had four lead changes in the final 10 seconds. San Diego State won at the buzzer. Caitlin Clark of Iowa Women's Basketball hit a ridiculous buzzer beater. We had Joel Embiid hitting a 90-footer or whatever that was that came right after the uh, the horn that would have forced overtime. We had Hunter Dickinson's buzzer beater. We had Rutgers comeback. So I ask you, I'm going to you first on this one, TO. Out of everything that happened this weekend, what was the the most memorable, your favorite, the best? Like, what, what's the thing that you're sitting here? Like, man, that was awesome. I love that about college basketball.
2: Um all those buzzer beaters, for sure. That and at this point in the season, every one of them matter, right? I think that's that's a huge part of this and what makes it to the excitement of college basketball. At the end of February, like the dog days of the season are over. Like now, there's genuine excitement. There's people that are lining up for seating, ready for conference tournaments. That's all great and good. Uh, I, I'll be honest, guys, though, because I, I was I was in Dayton. I've never seen Dayton's home court advantage, and Rob, you told me like that is that place is electric. Thirteen thousand thick in there, and it's like every single person's on their feet for the majority of the game. That is a great venue. I they they ended up getting beat. George Mason, Kim English, by the way, stud, Stud. Yes. stud. Uh, I got to talk to him for a long time before the game, but that atmosphere that was very memorable for me. So, I know there were a lot of buzzer beaters. I watched uh, Penn State Rutgers, and it just seems like – what's the guy's name on Rutgers? I'm blanking on it right now. The kid who hit the big shot against uh, Purdue and the
3: Derek white kid. Simpson?
2: That, oh, no, no. no Cam, Spencer. Cam, Cam, Spencer. Spencer. Cam Spencer. Cam Spencer, man, he just finds ways to make plays. Like, he he went for a shot fake, didn't get it. They're going up, and he swipes it at the end. Like, that dude just wins. He just wins and wins. And does it like out of just toughness because he's not the most athletic dude on the floor, but he's tough. He makes shots and he defends at the end. A great weekend of games, but the most memorable for me has to be that Dayton environment. Yeah, it was that, awesome.
1: that's a bucket list arena for uh, for all real college basketball. we got to get there. At I some mean, point. worth it. Yeah, worth Fanta. Worth it. Fanta. What stands out for you?
3: The Desmond Cambridge sixty footer to save Arizona State season change arizona state's season it is the beauty of college basketball that this late in the year fellas one moment could change it all right and if arizona state hears their name call on selection sunday you're not gonna have to ask anybody not just us three but anybody in the country if somebody says well uh how did they make the tournament this year
2: (laughs) 65
3: footer (laughs) Uh, A 65 footer that's incredible guys And and this is where, and I don't want to go too long on this, but this is where college basketball versus college football is so different. And it's why Mm -hmm. college is awesome. Because if the comparable to Arizona State had a Hail Mary touchdown pass, it would live virally and it would be kind of cool uh, for for football. But it wouldn't end up mattering. It would be, what, the one bowl game versus another for that middle-tier team. Mm -hmm. Instead, now we're talking about a chance to dance, a chance to punch your ticket, and then you never know. What do we say this time of year? Just find a way in. Just find a way into the dance. And that's just it. During a time of year where it's so easy for the committee to say, here's why they shouldn't be in, Arizona State gave the committee a reason why they should be in on Saturday. And it came to the tune of a 60, 65-footer hmm. The best
1: part about that shot. I don't know if you guys have seen it. There's a video of someone that had a, their cell phone recording it from right behind the Arizona State bench yeah. after the shot went in. And the shot goes in and Bobby Hurley turns around to the crowd and does like the DX. So <laughs> the it's just like, Bobby's a wild boy, man. That was awesome. Um, So to me, the thing that 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 I'll. That was a, that was an unbelievable shot. And there were a lot of unbelievable comebacks and, and, and wow. incredible moments like this is what makes college basketball so beautiful and such a the, why I love it so much. Like it it always days like Saturday are why I'm like, wow, this we're, we're so lucky to do this for a living and be able yes. to make a make a living doing this. But the thing that stood out more than anything else was the Fran stare down, the Fran McCaffrey stare down. Did you guys see this where yeah. he just stares down a rep for like a minute? Right when they're down by ten with a minute and twenty nine seconds left, and then it sparks this team to a comeback to one of the biggest comebacks in the history of Division one college basketball. That's not an exaggeration. Nobody, nobody
2: saw him do that on his team. I guarantee you. Everybody's in the <laughs> huddle and they're just like, "Dude, what is Fran doing? He needs to be reined
3: in." Fucking <laughs> idiot. He man. has acted out this year. That was that was crazy. That, that was class.
1: I don't know how he didn't get a technical foul, but you go from that stare down to the the second biggest comeback in the history of Division 1 uh, Division 1 college basketball to win a game and I'm just like what, yeah. is, what is going on what is it's, in the water in Iowa right now how
3: is this happening it's true well Terrence Oglesby would tell you what's in the water in Iowa because he's obviously gone down that mm-hmm. road before with them uh but but here's the thing piss and vinegar <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> i had i had uh i had a meal with a couple of officials last week all right. And I will not name them, but but just just talking with a couple of reps. And they said, look, man, we're far from perfect. You know, we make mistakes. OK, it it happens. All right. But they said and and I'd be curious to get both your thoughts on this. They said, I don't know what it was with covid. You know, people stuck up in their houses for two years or whatever. But goodness gracious. They said the last two years of emotions, from fans, fans who think throwing stuff on the floor is okay, from coaches, coaches they're like, we can't reason with some of these coaches. They'll do some of the weirdest stuff we've ever seen. The the McCaffrey stare down being a prime example of it, and even the players. Like it it, it, it it's I I do agree. The last two years, and particularly here now, even more so this year. I feel like just with all the home atmospheres and stuff. Sure. We're, we are witnessing some, like, wild things happen in college hoops. And, and we're even witnessing, at least once a week it feels like, even at a low or mid-major game, there's an end-of-game scuffle or fight or or extracurriculars or stuff. Well, on Friday night, Sean Miller and Shaheen Holloway did not shake hands at the end of the game, uh, the game I was doing in Newark, and there was, there was meaningless extracurriculars that happened. Now, some of that just happens normally, but I do feel like, Emotionally, not to go super deep, but refs were saying things are crazy. This season's been crazy. The atmospheres are nuts, but we're seeing behavior. I mean, we got Bobby Hurley doing this and brandon McDaffrey <laughs> staring down officials. What is going on?
1: I don't. I I think it's just it's just college basketball. Yeah. You know? I, look, you you spent more time on benches at that level than I have, man. But I, I think it's just that's just kind of college basketball. And I think, I think a cool lot bit-
2: of te- a lot of teams thought they were going to be really good coming into the season because the because of the extra talent i feel like i've said that a billion times but like because of all these extra players i feel like a lot of t- coaches thought they were going to be better than what they were what they are now so the frustration is even higher and i think the bubble while people have said the bubble's not good i do think the bubble's pretty big like there's a lot of teams that are like kind of in the conversation kind of not in the conversation oh, so there's yeah. a lot of stress across college basketball not just certain conferences but it's everywhere uh the, but Fran McCaffrey needs to be reined in like, hey, dude, like, this is a little much. Like, after he pulled that stunt where he's walking by and looking like a crazy person at half court, it's like, dude, like, come on. And then this thing, I applaud the referee. He didn't he's, back he down. He stepped right up yeah, but him, Yeah, but he didn't back down. Like, McCaffrey kept getting closer, and he just stepped right up and just backed him off. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, finally, like, uh, I applaud the referee. The referee handled that well because that couldn't have been easy. Couldn't have I,
1: if it was he handled it better than I would because I would have boop got hitting him up with a second one been like see if wait 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 well, hold, and, he, and, and it would have been deserved minute. it would have been it would like he deserved to get thrown out mm-hmm.
2: Terrence yeah
3: Terrence, could Rob be an official
1: no
2: absolutely not what I don't mean?
1: have I absolutely do not have the patience to deal with uh the people that would be arguing and yelling at me i would throw every single fan at the arena out by the time it was done there'd be no student section there'd be nobody sitting in the front row all you have the guys up there in the nosebleeds that can't yell loud enough for me to hear them
2: i sat beside an official on the way home and he he you know how do you have a manager bring him water or something like that she and she goes uh the 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 person who brought out the official water he was like you want to switch jobs and she said what what do you mean he goes Come with me real quick. And he walked down to the baseline, and he just stood there. And he just let the students behind him just curse and scream at him. And he goes, see what I mean? She goes, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, people go nuts, man. People have been going they, nuts.
3: They, they do. But you know what? This sport is nuts right now. And Rob's point is so spot on. America. March arrived early. Yep. College basketball is fantastic.
1: It's here, it, baby. It's here.
3: It is it's fantastic. March. And I think it is the perfect testament to the sport that the best weekend of the regular season was mm-hmm. the final weekend before the best month of the year. Momentum in college hoops could not be in a better place. You say NIL's going to kill it or hurt it severely or the sport's not the same or it's dying this that silence enjoy the madness take in the best month of the year that's my advice to every fan of the field of 68 guys terrence Rob, and i we've been doing this podcast for a couple years i think guys right now this is the most excitement that I felt about college basketball covering it. And that's because it's not because I haven't experienced excitement before, hmm. but because this sport is downright bonkers right now. You don't know what you're going to get from night to night. And there's so many examples of it across the board. It's fun. It's got parity. There's a number of teams. I think there's a double digit am- amount of teams that could cut down the nets in April and Houston let's buckle up on this ride it is gonna be beautiful it is gonna be fun all
1: right real quick before because touching on that point one of the things i want to talk to you guys about is i have one two three four five six seven teams listed that we had ranked as like preseason top 15 teams that were busts in one way or another throughout the year uh and that i think are all in some uh in some way, shape, or form, coming back to, into form. We're going to get into that in a second. But before we do, I think the most impressive performance I saw this weekend, and one of the most impressive performances I've seen all year, was Jalen Huchafino going into Mackey Arena, going into a top-five environment in all of college basketball in a rivalry game as a freshman, when they base when Purdue basically said we are going to double team chase Jackson Davis the entire game, even when he doesn't have the ball, we're not going to guard race Thompson. We are going to make Jalen Shafino be the guy to beat us. He put up 35 points. He was 14 for 24 from the floor. He was unfucking believable. And I don't think that that's saying too much. T.O., what do you make of that performance? And at this point, I think I would say and I-, I want your reaction to this. I think I trust Indiana more as a team in March, then I trust Purdue as a team in March. Is that a hot take?
2: That is uh, certainly a take. I I don't know that it's all that hot, though. I think Indiana's been good all season. Would you call it
1: mild salsa, medium salsa, jalapeno salsa?
2: Taco Bell mild salsa Okay, that's where I'm at. Little packet. Little packet of mild salsa. Mild salsa take. Um, No, I I think the crazy part is is sometimes you need a freshman to step up and be big, especially if there's these uber-talented freshmen. How about the fact that he took 24 shots and got to the free throw line seven times? <laughs> like there, There's there's no game too big. And in Mackey Arena, for him to do that, I mean, flat out impressive. He was the best freshman on the floor. I don't think there's any debate into the, in that game. He was the best player on the floor. I mean, he's somebody so big, so strong, so athletic. I mean, he was ready-made to to have a great season you can't speed user. him
1: up that that he just kind of goes where he wants to go and gets where he needs to get and sometimes he makes the shots and sometimes he doesn't and but he's big enough had...
2: and he's big enough to go slow mm-hmm. as a freshman like he doesn't have to speed up because he's 6'6 215 so like he can hold guys off and the fact that he's willing to take 22 shots inside the arc against zach is it, it was it's impressive it's impressive but to say that they're a bigger threat than purdue i I could go with that wholeheartedly. I could go with that just because Indiana's finally making some shots, seven to 15 from three, but they're not overly relying on it. Like it's a mm-hmm. team that can really play well in March. And under Mike Witts and Indiana's defended both years, and that's not going to change.
1: Later.
3: Indiana, Indiana's biggest thing coming into the season was what was going to happen on the perimeter for this team. And would they have enough out there? The thing about Jalen hood Shafino is he's not just one of the best freshmen. He's one of the best players in America right now at being able to create his own shot. Sure. He can come off of a high ball screen. He gets to the elbow. If you give him even a, a, a little bit of space, he's going to be able to capitalize off of that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: As a spot-up guy, he's, he's got it. The fact is, Trace Jackson Davis said before the season that – Part of the reason why he also came back to Indiana was because he saw the the talent that Mike Woodson was bringing in and he wanted to play with that. And he said flat out, we weren't getting that, that before Woody. He was was being pretty honest. Now NIL, all that stuff has something to do with it. But the fact is guys that they are showing us why they were the big 10 frontrunner to begin with right now. And and for it to come without Xavier Johnson, is it, Testament to sometimes you figure out a different identity when you do get dealt a tough injury at surface level. Sure, and and one wonders would Jalen Shafino have this much aggressiveness be at this level if Johnson was out the was on the floor for the whole year? Honestly, by Johnson going out, it it meant that Shafino was going to be on the ball more, that he was going to have to make more plays, and that he didn't have to look over his shoulder. Not not that he was going to have to with Johnson, but the fact is, he's got to be that dude. And he is being that dude for this Indiana team. He is the perfect blend with Jackson Davis. And now they have two guys late in the game that can go get theirs. And the fact is, we've also talked about, Rob, a lot of these teams with elite post players. Okay? But But at the end of the day, a post player typically isn't the guy with the ball in his hands with 10 seconds on the shot clock. And if he is, they're sending him up there for a look. Now they've got multiple ways that they could beat a defense. And Huchifino mm-hmm. is becoming that. He has become that guy. He is one of the more dangerous playmakers in all of Kyle hoops heading into March. And to do that at Mackey Arena, guys, 35 points, 14 to 24 from the floor, and seven rebounds as well, that was cold-blooded. IU is a dangerous team. They're, they haven't made a Sweet 16 in seven years. I'm thinking more than Sweet 16 for this team if they play their best because they've gotten better defensively as the years gone on. Now the biggest question is, when Johnson comes back, will they be able to have everything still in place?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. When it comes to... The NCAA tournament, I can almost assure you that I'll have Indiana going farther than anybody else. I think I'm probably going to have them in the elite. I think I feel comfortable enough penciling them in there. Uh, They got multiple guards. Trey Galloway to me. I said this last night on the show. He's the most quintessential, like, white Indiana dude that I think I've ever seen play basketball. Um, And look, if you think I'm wrong, I'll tell you this much. You can go to play dot run your com backslash field of 68 we are hosting a bracket pool guys we are partnering with run your pool uh which is the home of competition where you can bring sports fans and their friends together to connect and to compete they have over 50 types of games Guys, on Run Your Pool. Um, It's a one-stop shop for sports gaming. There's more than 2 million players uh, in their database, and there's no better place for you to run your bracket for your friends, your family, your office, your whatever. There is a reason why we are partnering with them, and we're doing it through Run Your Pool. It's the best that you can get. Um, We are... Going to have a pool up there. I told you the link. It's going to be linked in the description below. We are giving away fifteen hundred dollars in cash prizes. Fifteen hundred dollars, seven fifty to first, three hundred to second, two hundred to third, one hundred and fifty to fourth, and a hundred to fifth place to jump in there and prove that you know ball better than me, better than Fanta, better than To. Better Everybody from field of sixty eight is going to have a bracket in this pool. I'm making you guys Just, do it. And can
2: staffers win?
1: Not not this prize, but I am going to put up my own money to whoever wins from the field of 68 crew so you can't we can't have you win one of these prizes but i will make sure that whoever wins from our crew will uh will will be getting some kind of reward i'm so so
3: excited i'm excited wait hold on
1: hold on let me finish i gotta finish the ad read i gotta finish the ad read so head over to play.runyourpool.com backslash read Yeah, backslash field of 68. Get your picks in when the brackets are live. Remember, that will be Selection Sunday, March 12th. We also have a big uh, Selection Sunday show coming up. We're going to promote that a little bit coming up here. Last thing i will know, run your pool. You don't just have brackets on there. You have Survivor. You have head-to-head games. You have pick X games. You have squares. You can change the way that you do scoring. You can customize uh, how you are going to have specific rules in your brackets. I'm not kidding when I say there's a reason we partnered with these guys. They are the best that they can do it. Uh, they are the best that are doing it currently. All right. I'm going to tell you this. I think at this point, Purdue probably doesn't end up getting uh, a one seed unless they make a run in the Big Ten tournament. I've kind of come around to the idea that UCLA is better than them. Is that is that a crazy take? Is that something where I'm, I'm completely no. off?
3: No, no. Let, let, let's be candid here. Purdue hasn't played like a top 10 team in three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Top 10. I just saw the AP top 25 as we're doing this podcast. They're ranked fifth. They don't deserve to be ranked fifth. They don't deserve to be ranked fifth. Okay? They've lost four of their last six games. They've lost uh, three of four. They've struggled. They've struggled a ton. Mm-hmm. And the reason being, guys, is against Indiana in two games, Purdue has shot 11 for 41 from three. The, the, the freshman duo, as strong as they were to start, they've hit a wall. They've hit a wall that freshmen can hit. Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer have been tasked with a lot. A lot. No, hold on.
1: on. On that point, Tio. one thing that I – in talking with Painter when we went to, to Indiana, one thing that he said is that the freshmen – it's not that necessarily that they've hit a wall. It's that like the – the grind of a Big Ten season and the level of practices that you have and the physicality can kind of wear on a freshman that isn't ready for it and maybe isn't physically adjusted to that level yet I know Fletcher Lawyer's got a little bit of a I think it's like a, just a calf thing it's not a serious injury but it's just been bothering him for a while Braden Smith looks like a guy whose legs have kind of left him and I think part of that correct me if I'm wrong here is once you get into the season you're not you're not working on developing your leg strength anymore. It's just kind of like, okay, we got to get through it. You're not doing leg days. You're having off days when you're not playing games. Is there, is there anything to that?
2: I, I remember towards the middle of February, into of February of my freshman year, guys got tired. I think in large part, that's not uncommon, but everybody's tired. So not really sure we should make excuses or not.
3: Yeah, I, I also think it <laughs> I love the answer. I mean,
1: I- yeah. <laughs> T- T was like get your ass in shape. What are you doing here? Huh?
2: Uh, no, it's no, it, well, no excuses.
1: Play like a champion.
2: With for, with freshmen <laughs> it's harder because they just haven't been a part of it. They're yeah. not used to this. Like their state tournaments are now. They still have two they they still have two games left in the regular season before they hit Big 10 play and then they hit, you know, NCAA tournament. So the the length of the season is different. That's the biggest I mean, we all hear about rookie walls with the NBA. There's a freshman wall, too. I think it's right around that mid-February mid-Febru- point.
3: I, I think so, too. I mean, that's exactly what my thought process was with this situation. And I also think, you know, here, here's the thing. We asked questions about Purdue heading into the year about their supporting cast. And the fact is, like, the combo – Caleb First can give them some scoring here and there, you Know they're just not getting enough from like Brandon Newman's not giving them enough, okay. Uh, Mason Gillis is not giving them enough. That duo shot a combined three for 10 against Indiana. Um, and Trey Kaufman Wren has not really panned out for them, and David Jenkins has definitely not panned out uh, for Purdue. Let's face it, he hasn't. So, you had this retooling, and like the way that Painter was talking in the it, before the season. He was like, we're going to rely on these freshmen to play. Hmm. Now, there were two schools of thought there. One was, wow, these freshmen could end up being good. Or two, he's relying on the freshmen because, honestly, the returnees that he has, they're not doing it for him. So he's betting on the long term of the freshmen. And I think that both can be true here for Purdue. The Hmm. fact is, they had an amazing start to the season. They really did. And they've racked up. Don't, don't tell me well some of their resume wins were overvalued or whatnot or look you know what they won those games and they won a lot of them yeah mm-hmm. but I don't think I don't think that this is just and I watched you on on after dark and the crew on Sunday night like I don't think that this is just well they hit the rough patch late in February and that's the timing of it no no this is the worst timing of it mm-hmm. yeah there, clearly there's something that teams are doing. That's exposing them. They're having issues with turnovers. Smith and Lawyer. Maybe you're right, Terrence. It's it's it is the fact they're getting worn down. It's not an excuse as much as it is, as it is an explanation. And guys like Kaufman, Rent, and Jenkins, and First, and Gillis, they just aren't given enough. And when you don't have balance, and that's what Painter keeps referencing. He he'll say like, for our, for us to be successful. It can't be the Zach Eadie show 80-20. We need a blend. And yeah. what made them so dangerous early in the season was Zach was given his guy. 50 or 60, but they weren't getting they they were getting the rest on the perimeter. And right now the is just not giving them enough. They're easy to play off of. And what happens is when you when you're not hitting perimeter shots, the floor shrinks. Right now for Purdue, the floor has shrunk.
1: Yep. All right, so I want to play a game here. We're going to be quick on this. I want 30 seconds from, from each of you guys on each one of these <laughs> teams. It's buy, sell, hold on seven teams that entered the year with a ton of preseason hype and for whatever reason have not quite um, not quite lived up to it. So we are going to start with the team that lost their last game, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Nick Smith had 24 uh, against Alabama. He had 26 against Georgia. He's uh, he's taken more than 20 shots in two straight games. Tio. You buying? You selling? Or are you holding Arkansas?
2: Buy. I would sell as far as them am making another elite eight run. Uh, they've made two in a row. I, I think they make the tournament. I think I am buying as far as maybe winning a game. I do think Nick Smith missed too much time for them to really generate any kind of rhythm and to understand how to play with each other. I, I think that's a big thing. That the talent's still there, but I just don't. You, you you need to be there more. Like how many games has Nick Smith played now? Can't be too many.
1: Six, I want to say. Let yeah, me he's
2: played six three. games, and we, we're going to expect him to come in and, and be a dude from for that team on where they've kind of generated a rhythm with Ricky Council and Anthony Black. Nick Smith's played ten games. He started seven, and they've been spread out. I, I think I'm selling. I think I'm selling. Panta?
3: I'm buying. I, I'm going to disagree with Terrence because of the talent level and because I still trust Musk in the NCAA tournament, at the end of the day, that's a team that athletically, talent-wise, the firepower, can they win multiple NCAA tournament games? The answer is yes, they can. Yes, they can. They they might not fully know how to play with each other, and and I'm with you, T.O. I think that that's concerning because Smith, as great as he is, it takes away from the overall <laughs> – there it is. It must we trust, Suey? I need one of those.
1: It must be it must, it must trust. I, I'm I'm in. This is what he does. He, he lulls you to sleep. He tricks you. He makes you think that they aren't any good. And then they get to the tournament, and he's got a bunch of guys that can win one-on-one matchups, and he's the best coach in college basketball at scheming ways to get into those specific one-on-one matchups. Nick Smith, Anthony Black, Rookie council can all go win you a possession. So I'm in on them. Uh, I think that they will be a Sweet 16 team, depending on uh, kind of where they see you in the bracket. Um, Next, the other team in the SEC that's making a run, Kentucky, Fanta. How do you feel about your Wildcats? You had them as the preseason title favorite. You said it. You said they were number one. You thought they were going to cut down the nets. Where do you feel on them now?
3: I think they could make a Final Four. Fine. Fine. Love them. Love the way they're playing in recent weeks. I was very upset with them, but I do think they could be this year's North Carolina. They've got it clicking. <clears throat> and the way that Casey Wallace and Chris Livingston have both come on, I think Wallace is one of the more invaluable players in the sport. He does everything for them. When Jacob Toppin is giving them double figures production, he opens up another layer to that offense. They're long defensively. They've now figured some things out, and maybe being against the wall was the best thing that could happen to this team. I'm buying the Wildcats.
2: T.O.? I'm buying. I think some of the lot lineup changes that have happened for Kentucky just as a result of a guy getting injured and then them having to – being force-fed different lineups and then realizing, oh, hey, this 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 works. Uh, I, I think that certainly helps. Four wins in a row against – you know, t- four teams that are in the top 70 in Kim Palm. I'm not mad at it. Mississippi State, Tennessee, Florida, and Auburn. And they didn't just beat Auburn, they throttled them. And I realize Auburn's kind of trending in the wrong direction. All of that being said, you still got to do it. I'm buying Kentucky because of some of the lineup changes, and uh, they're bigger around the perimeter because of them.
1: Yeah. It's the first time this year that they've beaten the absolute breaks off of somebody since they played Louisville on New Year's Eve. So I, uh, I too am back in on. Uh, on Kentucky they're getting healthier like CJ Frederick is kind of getting back severe Wheeler has missed some time case and Wallace missed the game Um, I'm I'm I am in on the Wildcats Fanta Big East we got two of them we got to discuss I'm going to start with the Villanova Wildcats everyone knows how good Villanova has been Uh, they were not great this year part of it was because Cam Whitmore missed some time part of it is because they just got Justin Moore back but he had 25 and a win at Xavier he had eight assists zero turnovers when they put up 80 on the best defense in the big East and Creighton on Saturday, what do you think about this, uh Kyle Neptune's Villanova?
3: I'm not going to be an idiot. All right. I'm not going to sell them. I ain't going to hold them. I'm certainly buying that they could storm the garden and win the big East tournament. And the way that the draw could <laughs> pan out for them as the sixth seed in the tournament could end up being a good draw because it looks like UConn's going to be in the four or five game. So then you would avoid Connecticut and you would potentially get Xavier or Providence. Villanova beat Xavier on the road last week, and they're they they were right in it with Providence. Okay, twice. They're in position here, guys. And Moore has he's figured it out. It's it reminds me of The Dark Knight Rises when he's when he's uh in the pit of misery and he's just working. He's working. He's working. He's working. Well, now Moore's got it. Eric Dixon is a is a beast. He is a he has become their latest case of post player development. And he is something else. He could shoot the three, he could back in, and he's just a tank physically.
1: His I'm calves, asking. his calves are literally the size of Christmas Hams. He's yeah. got the biggest calves in in human <sighs> existence.
2: Fine. I didn't have much stock to begin with, so I'm just gonna hold on to the stock that I do have. <laughs> I don't think they're making a tournament. I think if they make the NIT, they could win
1: the NIT. But uh, that's about where I have them. Yeah, I, I don't think that they quite have enough to win the four games and four days that they're going to have to win to be able to win the Big East tournament. But Fanta, I think we're going to be watching them on Friday night. I think they are better. As a six seed, I would probably pick them to beat either Providence or Xavier in the uh, quarterfinals of the Big East tournament. That would be the 9-30 game on uh, Thursday night, correct?
3: Yeah are, yeah, are you kidding me right now? I mean, the Big East tournament. It's going to be nuts. Obviously, I'm close to it, Rob. You're close to Terrence. You've been close to it. But we, we do cover the whole sport. And people sometimes say, you've got an agenda. You've got this. Let let's, let me just be totally clear here. This is going to be the best Big East tournament that we've seen since Real Life.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: No, I 100% agree. And for people that like, look, I know I I love the Big East. Fanta, frankly, does work for the Big East, right? T.O. is a certified and adopted Big East guy. He is one of our New England brethren now. I know he's got an accent. I don't care. He is hashtag one of us. We yeah. just love the league, man. I, I love college basketball, period. But I have a special affinity for the Big East. Uh, and I think the new iteration of the Big East is living up to it. Speaking of which, UConn. T.O., talk some sense into me, man, because I'm starting to get into that. You know how sometimes I get in that mode where I convince myself that something crazy is going to happen, that something unbelievable is going to happen, and I'm starting to get a little bit ahead of myself. I'm starting to get a little too big for my britches. I'm starting to sit here and think like, okay, you know, I'm just imagining Danny Hurley on top of ladders, cutting down nets. Talk some sense into me, please.
2: Buy him, Buy him, Buy all that. Take it all to the house. Put it all on that, just like a lot of people put it all on Bitcoin. You know what I'm saying? CZ Binance. That's what you should do. Buy all of it. Buy all of it. I like like this UConn team. Here's the thing. They also (laughs) hit their rut at the perfect time to hit their rut. Yep. From January 11th to January 25th. But it helps sometimes whenever you hit a rut like that, it expedites your figure-out process because you lose a bunch in a row and then you have to scramble to figure out what's going on just to save your season. Well, they've certainly done that. Six out of their last seven. And a couple of them are cupcakes. There's no argument there. But to beat Marquette, to beat Providence, both at home, mind you, still like that team. And they're still huge across the front line. Jordan Hawkins is still – I mean, he got a little banged up in their last game, but they're still there. I, I like this UConn team. They're big. They're switchable. They're physical. they board bored. Like, best offensive rebounding team in college basketball. There's mm-hmm. a reason that they're, that they're going to be in the mix in every single game. It's not past me that we uh, see them in Houston. I think they're that good.
3: I'm buying them as well, and the reason being, how is – how much money
2: you got over there, Fanta?
3: Well, I've got a lot. You, uh, but yeah,
2: you're you're buying all of
3: them. I, I bought. He's writing of- this
1: one off for uh, the the Big East has been paying for what he's buying for Villanova and UConn. Don't get it. Don't get it <laughs> twisted. Okay, it's not like coming straight out of Fanta's pocket.
3: Well, look, I am. I, I, it's all <laughs> relative. But I am buying. You we got
1: him flustered, Yo, We did it. We finally yeah. got Banda flustered. Got to buy him. <laughs> it took us four months, and we finally got him flustered.
3: Two years. <laughs> yeah, right. I am buying them, uh, and the reason why I'm buying them, because Jordan Hawkins is a first-round NBA draft pick, and, yep. and in my opinion, and Adama Sonogo just keeps on churning out Adama Sonogo results. So when you have two players that are that great, and Tristan Newton has figured it out here over the last month, that's just it. When they hit their rut, they were getting no point guard play. In fact, the yep. point guard position was hurting them. So, you know, you, you look at this team and, yeah, I, do I get concerned about them away from their home court? A little bit. A little bit. But they're too talented to not buy. Plain and yep. simple. And, and if the, they are the good news out, is.
1: The good news is they're going to be playing a home game in the Big East tournament for uh, for three straight days. So that's always a positive. And if they end up in the East Regional, uh, Lord willing, they'll be playing home games in the Sweet 16 and the yeah. Elite Eight. Last and time the they goodness. did that, you know what yeah. happened? Last time they did that, Shabazz beat Iowa State. Then they beat Michigan State. Yeah. Then they went to, uh, to Dallas, and they beat Patrick Young. Then they beat Julius Randle. And Kevin Ollie cut down the nets. Listen, I could spend an hour literally talking about the changes in UConn. I'm not going to do that here. I did that on the Top Dogs podcast on the Field of 68 Media Network. If you <laughs> want to hear me ramble for an hour about how UConn has figured it out, go download that episode. All right, we have. Uh, I'm going to go to the ACC here, and To, I'm just going to. I'm, I'm going to ask you both of these teams, right? Duke, North Carolina, combined, right? Are you buying both of them? Are you selling both of them? Where do you stand on the Blue Bloods? Down there on uh in in um in North Carolina, I, I have to lump them together. No, just like just talk, let's talk about both of them
2: as a group. Yeah, I, I'm selling North Carolina because guys, they, I don't even think they care all that much. <laughs> I know they just had a decent performance here here lately against. Uh, Against Virginia, but like that's their first quad one win all year. Like, do they really even want to be there? It doesn't really seem like that's the case. And while everybody's like firing them up, like, you know, icing on the cake of their resume, the 0 and 9 and then they 1 and 9 and that's magically going to change a bunch of things. Uh, I I still think that they're going to find a way to end the tournament. I know Fanta, not at Fanta's party, but I still think they're going to find a way just because they are who they are, and there's no middle ground. There's no bubble with Carolina. I think I've said that a million times. You don't agree with me. Talk to Randolph Childress. North Carolina is going to figure out out a way to get in the NCAA tournament. I am buying Duke, though. I am buying Duke. Four in a row. They lost two, uh, both away games at Miami, at Virginia, and then they're back rolling again. And Shire is starting to figure hey, it out. They would have
1: won 10 out of 11 if, one, that foul called on, uh, against Philipowski in John Paul Jones Arena was correctly awarded a foul on Philipowski. That was bullshit. And, two, if Kyle Filipowski getting punched in the neck would have been uh, called a flagrant, which, like, I think they probably got that one right, but it could have gone the other way. If that happened, they have won 10 out of the last 11, and we were having an entirely different conversation about Duke from a national yeah. perspective. Yeah, you got- they're good. Got anything to add?
3: I'm selling Carolina. I know, shocker, right? Uh, I think that they will got to make
1: your money back somehow. You bought everything else.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, hey, the ACC is a great thing to just sell. away. I mean, come on, Terrence. Terrence has given me all this crap, that I've bought everything. Terrence, I was waiting for that. Sisters,
2: you were waiting for your time to shine. The ACC. Yeah, I don't
3: need. I don't need that. And and, and as for Duke, uh, I'm going to hold. Okay, I'm going to hold. I like them. I still don't love them just because I think there's so much on Jeremy Roach that if he has an off performance, I get concerned about what they are on the perimeter. North Carolina will lose this week. They will lose a game this week. They're not making the NCAA tournament.
1: I have a a very hard time disagreeing with anything that you guys said there. We're going to talk about the ACC. I'm going to let T.O. say his piece, but before we do, Michigan – They've won three in a row. Hunter Dickinson hit that game winner. Um, they've won six out of their last eight. They probably have to win at Illinois and at Indiana this week to be able to get to the right side of the bubble. Fanta, you've bought everything. Are you buying the Wolverines?
3: No, I'm selling. I'm selling. They, they beat a, a very, very average bubble Wisconsin team on Sunday. Like, let's not it, – it, it took that shot from Hunter Dickinson to beat Wisconsin on your home court. Great shot, man! But I just don't think that they've got enough. That when when Jalen Llewellyn got hurt and was going to miss the rest of the year, you know that that type of transfer has impacted their backcourt for the positives. I think of uh, what Mike Smith a couple of years ago. There are others. Uh, they just don't they they don't know what they're getting game to game from their guard play. So for that reason, I'm selling the Wolverines.
2: Yeah, I don't have much of an argument. People around Hunter Dickinson is obviously an issue. I I will say I think the Wisconsin win, Wisconsin's tough to beat. Like, I, you know, whether or not they're really good this year, it's it's a moot point. Just their style of play, it's still a hard win to get. Uh, The Rutgers away game is – that's – you want to talk about having to, you know – fend off the crowd, like at the rack, like that's not easy either. And their defense held Rutgers, who's not offensively gifted caveat to 45 points. Uh They're playing better. I just think like the entire body of work, like it just might be too much to overcome.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I do think that they have, uh, if they can get these two wins, then I think that they're going to be dancing. And I think that it's promising that Kobe Buffkin and Doug McDaniel have played a lot better in the absence of jet howard uh, sure. i don't know if that's a coincidence or that's just guys stepping up in the right moment um uh, but i'm i'm willing to hold on them until we see what happens this week because if they beat illinois on the road and they beat indiana on the road one thing that we've seen hunter dickinson do over and over again is uh show up when the lights are brightest so i i, I would not be surprised there all right last thing that i want to talk about and then we can get out of here to I need to know what the hell is going on with your league, man. I need to know what the hell is going on with the ACC. Here's what happened over the weekend. Clemson beat NC state by roughly 8 million. I don't know what the final score was. You didn't (laughs) need to watch it after about the first six minutes. They won by a million. Uh, UNC beats a Virginia team that has now lost two in a row. They got beat by 15 at BC and that hasn't scored more than 63 points in like three weeks. They look bad right now. Duke looks like they might be back. They're smacking smacking pretty good Virginia Tech teams around. Miami was up by 25 at home against Florida State with a chance to move into first place in the ACC, blew that lead, gave up a game winner, which means that the Pittsburgh Panthers are sitting all alone in first place in the ACC on February 27th with exactly one week left of basketball in the regular season. Is Jeff Capel going to go out here and win an ACC regular season title? What the hell is going on in the ACC, TO? Please. Yeah, I, th- I think he win?
2: is. I think he is going to win a regular season title. But I, I think the ACC is still pretty good. Like the-, the non-conference kills. It's the same thing as last year. The non-conference kills you. And I think the ACC is good. I just think the wrong teams are good. And that's what's hurting them as far as their outlook from a lot of people that cover college basketball. They're good. The wrong teams are good. Like North Carolina and Duke, we're still setting up promos for them. Nobody really cares all that much because Carolina has been wildly underwhelming and Duke is they're still trying to figure it out. But it's still it's lost its cachet a little bit. So people aren't as eager to turn on the television to watch ACC basketball. The league's still good. Pitt's very good. Miami's very good. Virginia's very good. Guys, I've I've covered Clemson two, three times, and I realize I'm an alum and all that nonsense, but like, they look like a tournament team whenever you watch them in person. I don't think it's really up for all that much debate. That's a tournament team. You look at them, they can score from so many different positions. In conference play, they've guarded their butt off. They look like a tournament team. The only thing that's going to kill them are the quad four losses, which there's only two of them now because South Carolina moved up. So it's like – The the league's good. The wrong teams are good. Uh, And that's why
1: the biggest issue is that. Mm -hmm. They lost – they they didn't figure it out until um, it was too late, I think. But I I would not be surprised to see them get in if they they got hot at the end. Fanta, do you have any take on this this conference? Who's the best team in the league? Is it Miami?
3: Yeah, the best team in this league is Miami. And Miami's won seven of their last eight games. And the one loss is one of the most puzzling losses you will ever see. As Matthew Cleveland, the
1: biggest blown lead in ACC history,
3: unbelievable. Thirty-five at halftime. Cleveland's game winner, just incredible. Now they were without Nigel Pack, but it doesn't matter. You had lost a twenty-five point lead, and so Miami is still the best team though because they've got the most options. I mean, between Jordan Miller, and Isaiah Wong, and Nigel Pack, and then give me the postman's name again, Omir. Omir. He's fantastic. I needed to make sure T.O. was re- Was ready with that, and he was. He's in <laughs> the mode, folks. I think Miami is the best team in this league. They're certainly the most dangerous team. It Would it surprise me if Duke made the Elite Eight? No, not at all, because they defend, and Kyle Filipowski is a beast. And if Tyrese Proctor can give them something from the perimeter, in addition to what Roach does, sure. But you said Virginia's very good. I don't know how you could say that right now. They haven't played well in weeks. How you actually think that they're very good? Yeah. Wow.
2: Boston College, a tough place. Oh. At Chapel Hill. At Chapel Hill's uh Boston College a tough place for reasons that like are outside of that. Like there's everything there. <laughs> it's such a nonsense factory at Conte Forum or whatever it is. It's
1: a tough place to play. as somebody who played there.
3: But
2: what it, about it's, it's just a it's also road. it's also
1: empty and cold. So you're in there and you're like, how am I going to get fired up to play yeah. in front of literally? It, now New I York. wasn't empty against Virginia. Right. Yeah, there are there are some UVA fans that probably moved yeah. to uh, move.
3: But the beating Louisville Virginia. by three, beating Notre Dame by two, I mean, very good. I they're don't. Just, know.
2: They're they're that's a slow. That slow style of play works right into what Louisville is. They're okay. huge. Like Louisville's huge. They're not very good. They're huge and they only have one guard, as long as you have one guard that won't turn it over, like, you can at least stay in the game against Virginia, especially if you're as big as Louisville is. They have Jalen Withers playing the two at Louisville that was an all-ACC freshman at the five. Yep. So, like, it's a matchup thing, in my mind.
3: Look, could they get multiple teams to the second weekend? Yes. You can Mm -hmm. both say that they could get multiple teams the second weekend and that overall the league needs to be better. Both those Mm -hmm. things can be true. They they both can be true. I mean, you got to make hay. Got to make some more hay in November and December. And, and, prior, and
2: prior to last week, they won eleven out of their last twelve. Phantom.
3: Who? Virginia. Uh huh.
2: Yeah. Prior to those last two. Yeah.
3: yeah, but
1: it was they're turning the wrong direction. Like they they were playing badly, and some of the losses kind of came. I I still think that they're good enough to maybe like figure it out and win a game. I just I don't see a ceiling with that group. Like I don't see them being a like a Final Four threat.
3: Being a. I, I uh, will say this. I- you know, I, I just I know that I can't I, I can't seem to shake this off, guys. But the committee will really have some some questions to answer here if they put Carolina in. I mean, they, they, there's going to mm. be some real questions on that selection show if that happens. I agree. And the question yeah. is, why did you put them in? And, and the answer is because of their name brand. You're not going to say that to us, but uh, honestly, we're, we are reaching the point where you know, in this world where they want to expand the tournament field. The big boys are already getting enough love. We don't need to expand it further.
1: You know, I said this the other day, that if they're going to do that, then expand it to 80, but guarantee every mid-major regular season champion gets in the tournament, right? Guarantee every mid-major tournament champion gets into the tournament. And if you win both, then you don't play in one of the playing games. You're automatically into the round of 64.
2: I'm not, I'm not mad at that.
1: Yep. All right, speaking of which, real quick, then we're going to get out of here. The one mid-major conference tournament that you are the most excited to see uh, this week. It's happening. It starts tonight. We got Queens College, and and I think it's Queens and Presbyterian or whatever it is. We got got conference tournament action in the Atlantic Sun starting tonight, guys. By the time you're listening to this, there's probably a a conference tournament game going on right now. Fanta, who do you like? What do you want to see?
3: It's going to be crazy. There's there's so many good ones. Uh, and as I open this up and take a look, you know, gosh, I've got our full chart on, on the field of 68. Uh, I'll I think, go first
1: while you think about it. The one
3: – Arch Madness for me, Missouri Valley. Missouri Valley. It's always great. The league's been stacked. Um, Bradley has had a terrific year. Drake's got star power as well. Northern Iowa's – finally getting healthy here. Uh, it, it's it's really a fun, fun league. And I think that there's any of five or six teams that could end up winning that conference. Arch Madness should be really, really good. And, and uh, don't count out Southern Illinois or Belmont. Belmont uh, is a dangerous team as well. And Indiana State's had a great year this year, a big leap. So I'm excited to see who wins Arch Madness because whoever does, can absolutely win a tournament
1: game you're sitting here and you're willing in the year of our lord 2023 to doubt field 68 uh former field of 68 um commentator steve prone and murray state you're willing to doubt the racers Fanta, you do that at your own peril my good sir
3: they're in there I, I'll, I will i'll eat my words i will absolutely eat my words if murray state doesn't come out on top of of Arch Madness, but I really like that league. The quality of playing it is good. There's some really talented players. I was watching uh, Bradley yesterday and and uh I love the the offensive concepts in that league make it very fun to watch. Yeah. So yeah. Arch Madness is highly underrated. I've heard that St. Louis is just wild during it. So I'm excited yeah. to see that play out.
2: Who you got, Tio? Uh I could selfishly say the America East. Just because I'm going to be calling that championship game, I'm really fired up about that. Hey, T.O., I told you, blood. I told you, my,
1: I told you, my buddies are are like they're unbelievably fired up for the fact that you're doing that. They watch this podcast. They're huge UVM fans, and they're like, T.O.'s calling the game. Let's fucking go! So yeah, you got <laughs> you're going to have a lot of pressure there, sir. Yeah, a lot
2: I'm, of I'm with it. Bring them on. Bring them on. Bring them on. Uh, but I, I could say that. I'm not going to say that. I, I'm really interested to see if Furman after last year's situation from a half court shot up in Asheville. <laughs> Uh, I was up there for that, guys. That that's such a cool venue. And those who haven't been, if you're a college basketball nut, that venue there in Asheville is perfect for a mid-major setting. Mid it's a it's a mid mid population size city in Asheville. Uh, they have all kinds of stuff rolling up to it. The kids they give out a bunch of basketball. The kids are dribbling basketballs through the street like it's a really cool place. But I'm interested to see if Furman's able to get it done this year. They have the talent. They went through a little bit of a, a the, early season figure, figure themselves out situation, but they've been so close so many times. Uh, I'm curious to see if Furman can finally close it out after winning
1: the regular season. Yeah. There's uh, there's two that I'm really interested in seeing. Um, One is UNC Asheville, Mike Morrell, Drew Pember. I think Drew Pember is the best uh, mid major player that nobody talks about. People fall in love with the guards, the mid major level, Mm -hmm. and they ignore the fact that there are monsters uh, kind of the small ball five for a team like UNC Asheville. Um and then the other one I want to see is uh is is the CAA because I think if we can get to a situation where you get Charleston and Hofstra playing in the with, with a tournament bit on the Incredibly. line. Like, you guys yeah. you guys know that league better than me at this point. Like that's those are two really good teams.
3: Aaron right? Estrada, baby. Oh my gosh, and Tyler Thomas. What what Hofstra got in Tyler Thomas, uh sacred heart transfer. Mm-hmm. Compliment Aaron Estrada. They've got a kid from Brooklyn named Jaquan Carlos who is just fantastic. Kid from New York City is their point guard. They play like Speedy Claxton, now they're defending. And as for Charleston, I do want to give an ode to Pat Kelsey and the Cougars. Kelsey, who reportedly gets a, a thick contract extension, $1.2 million a year for a CAA coach. Thick. That is big time. I mean, that that is big time. Guys, Charleston is – they've got the potential here to be a giant among the mid-majors for years to come. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a top-ten program in wins all time in College Hoops history. They're in an absolutely gorgeous area of the country. was just there last Thursday and could not believe what, what, mm-hmm. what my eyes were seeing. I mean, they had 6,000 people in a 5,100-seat building for a game against Towson. It, it, it has taken off. The Kelsey movement's taken off. And obviously they want to keep him at all costs and try to keep him as much as they can, but they got money down there. They got the sunshine of Charleston. You got the beach. You've got a happy life. And he has nailed it with this team. And if we get Charleston Hofstra, for those who don't know, Hofstra went down to Charleston and took down the Cougars. And that's why is the one seed. If that happens next Tuesday night and those two teams meet, that is a tremendous – that game might as well be in date Might as well be a first four game. Both those teams are more than capable of winning an NCAA tournament game. In fact, I w- they are going to be a trendy pick. Whoever wins the CAA tournament is going to be an extremely trendy pick to pick somebody off in the first round because the talent level's there.
1: The only downside of being the head coach at Charleston uh, for with a long-term contract is that you are probably going to have to deal with Jeff Goodman quite a bit. And I, I can attest—I can, I'm, I know better than anyone—dealing with Goodman uh more than like once a week is uh is not ah. not a fun existence listen this has been the dtf podcast uh presented by bet river sportsbook make sure that you like you rate you review you subscribe you hit all of those buttons that you look at us podcasters love that you hit so for john fanta for terrence oglesby make sure you go join our pool runyourpool.com check it out fifteen hundred dollars in cash prizes